Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, which is something for all of us and is so eternally relevant. So please teach us now. Please correct us, rebuke us, and train us in righteousness as we reflect on your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning again. My name is David. I work for CMS. Uh, It's a privilege to be with you for a second week in the row. And uh, as I've told you my name, please feel free to tell me your name because I'm very forgetful. I wonder if you have ever left something behind in your life, something perhaps maybe even really important. Imagine your first camping trip with your lovely new wife and you leave the tent poles behind. Now, who would do something so stupid? Yep, you guessed it. Maybe you have a left-behind story, which uh, I would love to hear. We had some great discussions about those over morning tea after the first service. It can get far more serious than tent poles, of course. Uh, We've uh, been hearing on the news recently how babies have been, or young toddlers have been left behind on school buses, resulting in the death of, uh, of the one particular toddler and then a near death on another occasion. But today we, we look at something just as serious. Uh, we're continuing this uh, series in the letter to the Galatians, a, re- a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and we'll be thinking about something that's been left behind by the Galatians, something also with devastating effects. So if you could click to slide number two. I don't seem to have a clicker here. Uh, Thank you. Now, where's Galatians? Galatians is in the highland country of Turkey, in that region that's been circled on the screen. And I believe it includes the cities where, where Paul established churches on probably his first missionary journey. So we're talking about the cities of Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. Um, some of the earliest Christian congregations outside of Jerusalem. And in case you were not here last week, uh, from chapter 2 we saw that Paul was reminding them that there, was, there is only one way for us to be in right relationship with God, and that is by faith in Jesus. Now, in a way, the Galatians knew this. But obviously something very serious is going on because if you look in your Bible, and I do encourage you to keep your Bibles open, page 946, Paul starts off with these strong words. He said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly exhibited as crucified. Bewitched, foolish. Something's gone seriously wrong. Imagine if I said that in the middle of a sermon. Maybe the wardens, imagine if I said something like, you foolish people of St. Philip's. You fools. I might find myself ejected by the wardens. Um, But he's saying it was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly exhibited as crucified. He's saying through my own preaching, that's Paul, um, you might as well have literally seen Jesus crucified in front of you. 
I've proclaimed the gospel so clearly to you, yet you've been so stupid and you've gone astray. So let's never underestimate our own capacity to miss the point of the sermon or the point of a Bible passage or simply to forget it. But what's happened? Well, verse 2 tells us, here Paul writes, The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So, Receiving the Spirit is the beginning of somebody's walk with God. Receiving the Spirit is what happens when you trust in Jesus. Paul's asking them, how did you become Christians? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by keeping the Jewish laws or was it by believing the gospel message? Don't. Of course. It's by understanding and trusting in Jesus? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious. Paul continues with some questions through that first paragraph, some rhetorical questions. Verse 3, he says, are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? And those two words are very important for the sermon. Started and ending. Or in other Bibles, having begun, are you seeking to be perfected? You see, what's happened is the Galatians, the Galatian Christians have begun in the right way, but they've gone off the right path. They've begun with the gospel, but they've left the gospel behind. So Paul is asking them, did God's work begin with you in a, in a spiritual way by his grace? But now you're trying to perpetuate and complete God's work by the things that you do. And he's saying, how foolish, how stupid. And friends, it's such an easy thing to do for us as Christians, even today. Such a dangerous and toxic thing. Paul continues in verse 4. He says in these Bibles, did you experience so much for nothing? And the experience that he's referring to is suffering. In another Bible it says, did you suffer so many things in vain? If you read in that first missionary journey of Paul's in Acts 13 and 14, every time they preached in a city and established a a group of believers, there was extreme and real suffering. Uh, The apostles experienced this, and we can be sure that those Christians who remained in those cities uh, would have experienced ongoing pressure and ongoing hardship. And he's saying, was this suffering for nothing? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is obviously no. Final question comes in verse 5. Well then, does God supply you with his spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It's a question about the Daily experience as believers is the one who is supplying the Spirit, who is working miracles, doing it on the basis of your trusting in Jesus or by your law abiding? And the answer is again rhetorical. Well, the question is rhetorical. The answer is obvious. It's on the basis of trusting Jesus. Yet the Galatians have left the gospel behind. 
And they're not more stupid than we are. We too can easily slip into the same error. We can do it as individuals. We can do it as local churches. We can do it as institutions. It can be subtle. It can be blatant. Blatant example of an institution doing this is in Namibia, if you can put on the next picture, um, where my family and I served as missionaries, CMS missionaries, for uh, a few years. And uh, the, the Lutheran missionaries did a great work in Namibia and established some big churches. But the members of these Lutheran churches are, are really poor. They're subsistence farmers. So the institution now... Uh, is seeking to uh, ensure that the ministers are actually paid a salary. So that means uh, that there needs to be discipline for people paying the tithe to the church. And so a tally is kept as to who pays and who doesn't. And if you don't pay your annual tithe, you you can't receive the sacraments, you can't get married, you can't have your children baptized or confirmed or whatever. And if you don't pay your you don't pay your tithe this year, then it accrues to next year. So you pay double next year, or three times the following year, and it becomes more and more out of reach. Uh, and families can accrue years and years of debt and effectively be cut off from the church, and also, sadly, from Jesus. So that institution has left the gospel behind. So Paul starts to show how wrong this is by uh, looking at a key Old Testament figure, Abram. So let's have a look at Abram. Paul writes in verse 6, Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So that passage is referring uh, back to the first Bible reading, Genesis chapter 6. Sorry, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And the context of that is way back in Genesis chapter 12. So flick to the next slide. And it's in Genesis chapter 12 where Abram receives an incredible promise. And this is what God promises to Abram. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make you great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is where God's relationship with Abram started. And Abram was 75 years old at this point. But 10 years later... In Genesis chapter 15, Abram is still waiting for God to come good on his promise, especially for children. And he complains to God. He says, God, I still don't have an heir. I still don't have a child. And that's when God takes him outside. He says, come check out the stars. That's what your family is going to be like. And the Bible says, Abram believed the Lord. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It was counted as righteousness. Just as Abram had to do in the beginning and did do, he believed God's promise. Ten years later on, 
God reminded him, keep trusting my promise. And Paul is using Abram as exhibit A for Galatian Christians. He's urging them, don't leave the gospel behind. As you started, so you must continue. As Abram started, so he needed to continue. And as we started as Christians, so we need to continue. Our life as God's children believes by, begins by trusting God's promises in Jesus. And that's how we continue throughout our life. So Paul continues in verse 7. So you see then, it is those who believe or are of faith who are descendants of Abram. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles or the nations uh, by faith declared the gospel beforehand, beforehand to Abram saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. But Paul's point is this. You guys, you're... You know, you're valuing the Jewish law. You're aspiring to be like Abram, are you? You want to be uber-Abramites? You want to be uber-Israelites? Then you have to do what Abram did and what he had to keep on doing. That is believing God's promises. Don't leave the gospel behind. Keep believing God's promise as in the beginning, so through your life. In fact, Paul shows in verse 10 that doing the opposite is faithful. He says, for all who rely or keep relying on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. If you want to start relying on your own ability to obey, then you've got to keep the whole law. And you know what? You can't. If you're really going to trust your own obedience, you're in big trouble. But the question is, who are you trusting, Galatians? Are you trusting in God or are you trusting in yourselves? Are you blessed by God or are you cursed? And the same question is for us. So the next slide. Abram emphasizes his point by quoting another part of the Old Testament from the prophet Habakkuk. Verse 11. He says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the one who is righteous will live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith, um, or the righteous shall keep living by faith. That is what we need to keep doing. And Paul is saying the whole of the Old Testament underlines this point. Now, we can get this wrong, um, and sometimes our words might betray us. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody saying, oh, for my sins, uh, my wife has sent me to go and do the dishes. Or for my sins, I'm, uh, I've, I've got to work this weekend. And we might say those things as a kind of joke, but they are so contrary to the truth, and they might actually reveal how we subliminally think of how God treats us and how he is. 
that he might be treating us as on a transactional basis rather than on grace. For example, we might think if something bad happens to us, then we've done something wrong. Or if something good happens to us, maybe God's pleased with me because I've, you know, I gave a bit of money in the plate last week. Or we might try to increase our our church attendance or Bible study attendance or something like that so that we can be assured of getting that job that we're applying for. And it's a terrible distortion of God's character and God's grace. Thinking of God like that can even affect our everyday behavior and our characters and our personalities. How easy it might be for us to be grumpy or perfectionistic or anxious. Gee, I wonder who's like that. Because we're operating as if God is not a God of grace. He's a God of demands. He's a God of rewards and punishments. He's a God of quid pro quo. And so we behave like that as well. We behave like we think God is. Go to the next slide. What's the outcome of a faith relationship with God? I think the legalizers in these cities were holding out a big carrot in front of the Galatian Christians. I think they're saying, do you want to experience God's blessing? Then you do need to obey all of the Jewish law. And Paul responds to this by what he says in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Verse 14, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So Paul's saying, if you want to receive God's blessing, then you need to keep Believing the gospel. Keep believing God's promises to Jesus in you. And you will be blessed along with all the nations who have received the blessing. And what is that blessing? Well, it is the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God. And you'll be reflecting on that next week um, on Pentecost Sunday. But we might so easily equate God's blessing with a good career or good health or having our mortgage paid or having our children succeed. Certainly good, friend, good things. But the far greater blessing, the same blessing promised to Abraham is the Spirit of God. There is nothing higher, there is nothing more wonderful than having God indwell you by his Spirit. Having the Spirit enable you to understand his word having the Spirit indwell you to lessen your appetite for sin and to yearn to do the right things, having the Spirit of God to give you peace and joy in your heart, regardless of your circumstances, having the Spirit of God to keep you believing in Jesus as you wake up every morning, having the Spirit of God to give you a living and eternal hope. This is what God promised uh, to Abraham when he promised that great blessing in, verse, in chapter 12 of Genesis. This is what was achieved 
in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. And this is ours as we trust in Jesus and as we continue to trust in Jesus. And because of that, we must never leave the gospel behind. And that's why CMS's vision is for a world that knows Jesus, so that all nations can come to experience this blessing, so that all nations trust and keep trusting in Jesus. A sad contrary example comes again from uh, the Congo, from Africa, where David and Jenny Juniper are, are busy learning language to, to prepare to train leaders there. But they tell a story from their friend, William, over there. And William says, in our church called Revival Church, we received a visiting pastor. And after more than an hour of preaching, he told the Christians present in the church that the Holy Spirit said something to him for blessing. The pastor addressed us as Christians, saying that he needs 22 people who want to be blessed with money and other material goods, and that those people must give a sum equivalent to $50 to be paid to the pastor on the same day, no later than 4 p.m. And immediately, 10 people got up to hand over the sum to the pastor. And not being satisfied and not uh, receiving enough, he started to uh, um, encourage them to pray for their children who might be delinquents or suffering in some way, and they, can, they need to pay $25. How sad that this pastor and his church have left the gospel behind. Next slide. So have you ever left something behind? I'd love to hear your stories. Be great if you can share them over morning tea. But have you left the gospel behind in some way? Some diagnostic questions might be, are you feeling insecure in your relationship with God? Why are you feeling angry or bitter with God? Have you devalued the privilege of having or of being indwelt by the Spirit of God? Or is your life as a Christian a joyless box ticking exercise? Friends, let's you and I and our churches never leave the gospel behind. Let's pray to God for his help. Father God, we so easily forget and leave the gospel behind. We might affirm it with our mouths, but in the depths of our heart we're trusting something else. We forget that you are a God of overwhelming and lavish grace, which you've shown to us in Jesus Christ. So please forgive us and please protect us from this error and help us to keep trusting in Jesus as we did at the beginning of our walk with you, so may we continue and be counted righteous before you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.